the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, and I'm glad to be with you today. I truly am glad to be with you today. Today's a hard day. It really is a hard day. And um, I imagine people are feeling it differently, but we need time. It's okay. It's okay to take time to lament. It's okay to feel the feelings of sadness, to have questions that uh, maybe we don't have the ability to answer right now, or maybe there's a good answer, but it doesn't feel real good right now. All of those things. I think that we, as an entire society, are feeling it pretty heavy. And, you know, the the violence that we saw, we've been seeing it for a long time, and we make statements like it's um, it, we're shocked, and we are shocked. I heard somebody say today, I heard this conversation where somebody said, well, we shouldn't be shocked. This has happened so many times, it shouldn't be shocking. And I understand that. But the reply was really good. I thought the reply was the reason that we are shocked is because of our humanity, that you can't get to a place where you aren't shocked by the horrific events of these shootings. And I think especially when it's kids, it's an interesting thing, right? When, it, when it's kids, we just saw the same thing essentially in Buffalo. We've seen it over and over again in different times. And we feel it when it's adults and older people. But there's something that I think enrages us and just hurts us more when it's little kids. And so we're dealing with that. So I uh, I want to talk about it a little bit. I want to go through a couple of things that happened today that I think are expressions of the frustrations that uh, our culture is having, which isn't necessarily bad. Hopefully what it means is that we as a culture are maybe going to deal with it. We'll have to see. And we'll talk about how to do that. But I think also I want to lament and I want to take your questions. As a pastor, I've gotten some questions today and some of them I've got an answer for, some of them I don't. But I think part of where we need to be is okay with asking questions that God has placed on our heart. That's part of, especially right after we go through tragedy or we experience something that is such great loss, those questions are on our hearts. We we direct them to God, and I think as believers, we should be able to direct them to each other. And if you're not a believer or with your non-believing friends, we should still be all part of that conversation. I'm going to give you some things that might help you with that today as we navigate the next few days and uh, hopefully some kind of change in where we will go. You can call me right now, 888 2557 is the number. You can also send an email, SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. If you've got a question, something on your heart you want to ask uh, related to all of this, 888-528-2557. Question about God, question about the Bible, question about what do we do now, those kinds of things, 888-528-2557. Maybe you just want to talk about how you're doing today. We can do that. What I'm going to tell you right now is the thing that we need to do is is look to Christ. The thing that we can do to help others is look to Christ. And you know, when these things happen, everybody's dealing with it. Your pastor's doing it. 
you know, struggling. Your radio show host is struggling today. Your person that you look up to who's always the rock about everything, they're struggling. And the good news is, is that we have a Savior who sits on a throne of grace who is there to listen to all of us, who is infinite, which means he's got time. He's got time for your hard questions, and he's got time for your easy questions. He's got time for your your questions that he's going to answer and times for your questions he's not. God has time for you, and he has time for, for everything. So I thought we'd talk about that. I want to hit uh, what happened in Texas today and use that as an example at a press conference today. Use that as an example of why we need to take some time here to lament. There's good questions people are going to ask, and there's very good conversation that people need to have about politics and about um, different things. And so we need to be able to discern the difference between politics and partisanship. Those are two different things. A lot of times when we say somebody's getting political, I think what we really mean is they're getting partisan uh, because we don't want to say that political is bad all the time. You know, we need to have ideas that compete on the table. We need to be able to talk about those things um, in an attempt to get to the truth or get to what can actually be done. That's okay. That's politics. And somebody will win a vote and somebody will lose. And hopefully the side that is closest to reality will win. That's politics. We need to have that. But we can also put the brakes on on even that for a little bit of time. So what questions do you have? How are you doing today? You want to talk about it? How, we, how do we refocus on Christ? If you're a pastor uh, and you're listening, I'll bet you've heard from some people today. Maybe you've had your own thoughts. Call me and share with our audience what those things are. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I want to start just with some of the news of the day. Of course, yesterday, uh, you've probably heard about the shooting in Uvalde, Texas, which uh, last I checked, 21 people have died. 19 of them were kids, ages 7 to 9 years old. And it is a very hard day. And if you are online or watching the news, maybe some of you have been watching the news all day. And so you've now seen pictures of these kids. You've seen their parents and you've seen their pictures, their dreams. You're hearing those stories it's pretty brutal. And you're hearing more about this person who did these things and some pieces come together about, you know, maybe why the why is so hard to understand why anybody would do this, but that's there. And there's a lot of shouting at each other. There's a lot of politics and there's some partisanship and there's other things going on. So today, Governor Abbott from the state of Texas where this happened, was giving a press conference, updating people on what went on. And at this press conference were most of the political leaders from the state and uh, from the area. So Governor Abbott was there. Also, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick was there. Senator Ted Cruz and the mayor of Uvalde, Don McLaughlin, was there. And a whole lot of other people from different uh, law enforcement organizations and uh, more. And the governor had just given these updates. All of them were terrible, terrible news. And then all of a sudden, he's about to pass the mic over to the lieutenant governor, but he was going to make some comments. And a man stands up. If you watch this live, I watched this live, and it was pretty dark on the live feed I was watching, so I couldn't tell who it was at first. But a man stands up from the crowd and walks right up to the podium and starts pointing and shouting at the governor. This is what it sounded like. That this was evil. Now, this is the only uh, thing evil is what he continues to do to the people of this state. He says... This was unpredictable. It was totally predictable. And I predict 
This will continue to happen when you continue to have a governor who will not stand up for the people of Texas. All right. That was um, um, Beta O'Rourke. Now, that wasn't the clip I was hoping for, but this was right afterwards. So what happened? And, and if we have that clip, I'll get to it. The person who stood up and started yelling was the governor's opponent in the upcoming election in Texas for governor, Beto O'Rourke. You've probably heard of him before. He ran for president last time and uh, didn't last very long. Um, And uh, he ran for Senate and he came pretty close to uh, defeating Ted Cruz a few years ago. Now he's running for governor. And so the statement you just heard was his statement uh, afterward. We'll play that again in, in just a second. Let's go to the clip. So this is what happened during the press conference. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down and don't play this All right. So you can see it just it it devolved. And if you hear the whole clip, um, other things happen in this clip. So the first person maybe you start hearing telling him to sit down is the lieutenant governor who was about to speak, who he was actually interrupting. So Beto gets up and he walks right up to the podium. The other voice you hear is Senator Ted Cruz, who's kind of laughing. And I think that's because they've been they ran against each other. Right. And they kind of know each other. And it was sort of a, a scoffing, laughing like, what are you doing, man? That kind of thing. And then the mayor of Uvalde stands up and starts to uh, cuss him out is basically what happens. And uh, so we won't play that part. But as he's getting escorted out. Uh, the crowd starts to chant. And if you hear that, you have to watch it on some other videos that I, I found. There's, you know, what's interesting about these times we live in now is it isn't just the news feed from the back of the room. That's what I was watching live. But you notice on these feeds, everybody's got a phone. There must have been 50 phones that just came up all of a sudden. Everybody filmed it. So now you can go online and find those videos and uh, watch uh, this confrontation from 50 different angles. That's life today. And in some of those, you can really hear what the crowd's saying. And the crowd is pretty divided. Some were saying, let him speak, let him speak, let him speak. And uh, what about the First Amendment? Those kinds of comments. Other people were, were calling him names and saying, you got to get out of here. This is not the time for this. Do this later. All those comments are there. So he was escorted out. And then outside, this is what he said. Go ahead and do clip two again. He talked about that this was evil. The only thing evil is what he continues to do to the people of this state. He says... This was unpredictable. It was totally predictable. And I predict this will continue to happen when you continue to have a governor who will not stand up for the people of Texas. Now, Beto is getting criticized in a lot of the media because he said the only evil is what the governor is doing. Well, obviously, that's probably not what he meant, but it was not a good statement. Uh, He didn't catch himself. Um, Obviously, the evil of the shooting itself and everything related to that is the greater evil. Um, But he's very emotional, and people are going to argue about, we're not going to talk about it at this moment, whether the the rage is fake rage to make a political statement. It'll be interesting, the politics about this, to see whether or not this approach helps Beto or hurts Beto, Um, and that'll be up to Texas voters. Um, And then Governor Abbott had a very emotional response, but I thought that the, the direction this went went pretty well, and it'll lead us into a a place where I think we need to be today. Play clip number three. There are, there are family members. There are family members who are crying as we speak. There are family members whose hearts are broken. There's no words that anybody shouting can come up here and do anything to heal those broken hearts. 
We all, every Texan, every American has a responsibility where we need to focus not on ourselves and our agendas. We need to focus on the healing and hope that we can provide to those who have suffered unconscionable damage to their lives and loss of life. We need all Texans to, in this one moment in time, put aside personal agendas. Think of somebody other than ourselves. Think about the people who were hurt and help those who have been hurt. You can feel that emotion that just keeps going up. And I'll bet as you're listening, you've got it. I've got it. It's been an emotional day. And we have to step back and think about what it is we need to talk about today, the politics of it, the questions about guns and how people get them, young kids, how do they get them, how do people with uh, obvious mental distress get them or mental illness. Um, There's a lot of good questions that need to be asked, and we need to find a way to come together and do something because what tends to happen, what has happened really every time, is people just say these things on all sides and then nothing really changes. And it's certainly a good question to say what really needs to change. And the Lieutenant Governor, Dan Patrick, he then took his turn to speak, and he was pretty emotional. And this is a longer clip, but I wanted to play it because I think it expresses a lot of where we need to be today. Go ahead and play clip four. I was just about to say that um, there will be plenty of time to discuss and analyze what happened yesterday and do everything that we can within our power to hopefully prevent it from happening again. But now's a time people watching around the world in this country, in this state, to focus on these families, as the governor just said. Right now, we need to put our arms around the families of these victims, the students and the teachers This is not a partisan issue. This is not a political issue. This is an unimaginable moment that will impact the lives of those who lost their children and those who survived. The adults and the teachers, the men and women of law enforcement who were there. We are better than this as a country. We are better than this. These, these types of crimes when you see children killed go to the very core of all of us who have children or grandchildren. We can't imagine the pain that these families are going through. We saw it four years ago in Santa Fe. So can we not be a nation that can stand together for at least a day or a week or a month? My gosh. To put these families first and everything else second, my gosh, you know, we, we, we live in a time, I said this yesterday, when people are at each other's throats everywhere we turn, whether it's on the internet or an Oscar stage or two coaches arguing or in the political world or the media world. It's pretty, go ahead. Who are we? As an American people, who are we? 
We all have to do our part. All do our part to make us a better people and a better nation. Evil will always walk among us. And in times like this, I've seen it. The governor has seen it. The speaker has seen it. The senators have seen it. The attorney general has seen it. In these other shootings, Sutherland Springs, El Paso, Odessa, Santa Fe, it's God that brings a community together. It's God that heals a community. It's God that heals a shattered and broken heart. And if we don't turn back as a nation to understanding what we were founded upon and what we were taught by our parents and what we believe in, then these situations will only get worse. It's a pretty powerful statement. That was Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick from Texas expressing his feelings about the day. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And I think when you, when you hear the emotion, when you hear the back and forth between all these characters, and you realize there's a lot of politics, okay, and partisanship, you have to try to draw that line. For today, for now, you know, he said that God brings us together, that we know that to be true. Number one, not everybody agrees with that. That I think is one of the problems. But I think that a lot of our country actually believes that. I think that a lot of people who are hearing that agree. I think the majority of people believe that, even if we don't necessarily understand what that means. My friends, this emotion is why we have lament. Do you ever do this? Do you just take a moment to stop? and to stop figuring out who to blame, and to stop figuring out who's at fault, to even pause long enough to get some perspective so that when you get to the place where you're saying, okay, what do we do now, that you can think about that in a productive way. That's what we need to do. We need to lament. That's where we are right now as a culture. If you've been having a hard time today, what I want you to know is that's okay. If you're sad that's okay. Biblically speaking, in the Bible, we have room for sadness. It is okay. It is not somehow meaning that you are weak because you take some time to be sad. The, the Bible is full of lament. Seventy psalms, close to half, are on lament. Thirty chapters in the book of Job are lament. Lament is a, is a passionate expression of grief over sorrow, hurt, pain, disappointment, disillusionment, injustice. It's a frustration about the condition that we find ourselves in when we suffer. Whether we're suffering the consequences of our own mistake, our own error, or we're suffering the consequences because of something that somebody else did or something that nature did, that's lament, and it's okay. I think in the, even the Christian world, we often don't spend time to stop, and we've become so partisan on right and left. I mean, if you're listening to people, and I've gotten texts, and I've seen a lot of social media, there's sure an awful lot left and right on guns. Have we spent time to really ask ourselves what might actually work? What, where are some places where we can come together and lead both sides? Is there even a starting point? Or are we so far apart that we just can't? We, if that's how, how it is, we got to lament that because that shouldn't be. And we're in bad shape if that's how it is. 
70 chapters in Psalms, 30 chapters in Job. The whole book of Ecclesiastes is a lament. The book of Lamentations is a lament. Do you ever read that book? These are books we don't read a lot. We read a lot of Psalms, but maybe we don't read the sad ones as much as we read the better ones, right? The ones that we feel like are better, that are more encouraging, that are more about praise. Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations laments about the destruction of Israel and the turning away from God. He laments because the nation had forgotten God and didn't know which way to turn and they were destroyed or going to be destroyed. Jesus tells us in the New Testament that sorrows are coming. It's unavoidable. So what do you do when you have this kind of suffering in your life? I want to give you some thoughts. When we get back from the break, I'll share some of those. One of those is that there's room for sadness. The other one is that there's rooms for questions that we may not be able to answer. Do you have questions right now? Questions that are on your heart, the kind of question that you need to ask. And I understand this type of question. Maybe you're looking for an answer. Maybe you just need to ask the question and the answer may not even be as important as the question. Do you ever have questions like that where you just may, and maybe it's just a simple why, God? Why do you do that? If you want to call and share those thoughts, give me a call, 888-528-2557. Also, if you're listening and you are a, a pastor or somebody who does counseling, you've probably gotten a lot of questions today about these kinds of things. What would you like to share? What would you tell the people in your church, the people in your small group or your Sunday school class if you lead that? What kinds of things are on your mind? 888-528-2557. When we get back, I'll share with you about the room for questions we have and also how to have grace for people. Part of lament is having room for grace, especially for those people you don't agree with and how you can learn to be right later. And I think that's important. 888-528-2557 is the number. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. And we are reflecting on the events of yesterday from Uvalde, Texas, and the school shooting. And we're talking about lament. Where are we at today? Today, the 25th, one day later. There's so many conversations that really need to happen, and work needs to be done. Otherwise, we'll be having the same conversation later. You know, those who are saying this is going to happen again and again, we heard it earlier in the last segment from people on both sides. This will keep happening unless. We need to get to that unless. And the first step in getting there is we lament. That's biblical. Romans 12, 12, Paul tells us to rejoice in hope, which we always have hope. Our hope is in Christ, and we've got to put our eyes on Christ right now. I don't have a lot of hope in our government. And even if they actually come together and do something, I'll be grateful if it's something that works. But the evil that we're experiencing is something that's going to continue in a different form, even if you could eradicate this from ever happening. Evil's part of the fallen world. Our hope is always in Christ, and that's why we fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what you do in lament. You focus on Jesus, and you say, God, why? And you ask the questions you have. Be patient in tribulation, Paul says, Romans 12, 12. Be, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Not the tribulation, just any tribulation you go through. You've got to be patient, and that's hard. You know, somebody once said, I'm not sure who to attribute this to, but I liked it. If you find yourself in hell, keep walking. Uh, you'll get through it. Um, but it's still pretty terrible. 
and nobody's feeling that more today than parents who've lost their kids in this or in the hundreds perhaps in the last few days of other violent acts against children that have happened, gun violence, thousands probably if you consider everything else, who their story is not on the news but are suffering right now pretty seriously. You've got to be patient and we've got to be constant in prayer. We need to pray for these people. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Troy from San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Um, I hate to really put a downer on things, but we're at where we're at because we this is what we deserve. I mean, if you, when you read the Bible, of course, you know, it's not all gut, uh, just peaches and roses and stuff. I mean, there are mm-hmm. points where God says, I will create confusion, I will create calamity, and that's because of our sin. From the 1960s on, we've just gotten worse and worse and worse, and uh, we've turned our back on God, and that's why we're at where we're at. And, you know, Jeremiah kept warning people, and God told him, you know, they're not going to listen to you, but I want you to warn them anyway. You know, so uh, is that where America's at right now? I'm not sure. Obviously... You know, we need to tell people to return back to God, but I don't think you get shot if you do sometimes. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it know, might it, be where we are, and and I, and I think you're right, Troy. And that's I think what people are I think that's what people are saying. We heard that from Lieutenant Governor of Texas Dan Patrick. That was his comment before the break. Is that if we don't return to God, then we're we're in trouble. That God is where people begin to get healing. Okay, it's God who brings us together, and if we want to keep rejecting God then uh, we're going to keep having these problems are going to get worse. Thank you, Troy, uh, for that call. I, I, you know, I think we just have to be honest about where we are. That's lament. And as we, we talk about this, you know, we do need to fix our eyes about on Jesus and realize that there's hope. There has been revivals before. Maybe all of this stuff, as horrible as it is, will result in us getting our act together. I think as a nation today, I really believe this, I think we know that we need to be penitent. Like we have a sense that things aren't going the right way. You always do that, you know, right way, wrong way poll. It's like the worst it's been. It's been negative almost every year for 50 years. Did you know that? Like 1988 or something like that, 87, it became even. Half the country thought we were right direction, the other half wrong. It's almost always in the 20s or 30s at best, think we're on the right track. Now it's in the teens. And I think in a great way, when we look at this, in our frustration, we know that we need to be penitent. The problem is, as a nation, we forgot what direction to be penitent toward. We forgot where to kneel. We forgot what direction. We used to be able to do that. That is something to lament today, but lament is not the only stage. Recovery and hope is you take the time for sadness, and you take the time to ask questions like, how did we get here? But you move forward. And you you realize that God can bring us back when we repent as a nation. You mentioned uh, the 1960s. One of the things that came out of that press conference today is that most of the gun laws that are kind of being thrown around have been the same. Somebody asked, I think, how does an 18-year-old buy certain weapons? Maybe not the AR-15, but other guns. You've been able to get guns for a long time. And the point was made that this didn't used to happen that something has changed. Like you had shootings and you had murders, but not the mass shootings that we have today. Partly that's because of the higher caliber weapons that you can shoot more people. 
But the entire act itself, you didn't have people going into schools and doing this or theaters or churches or supermarkets. This didn't happen that often. And it's been happening more and more and more. And maybe there's something we can do with laws to help prevent some stuff. Maybe there isn't. But the point that was being made is, hey, this is something that is not simply caused by lax laws because otherwise it would have been happening all the time before. There's something else, and I agree with that. There's something else. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, 888-528-2557. Jenny from Los Angeles. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hello? Hi, Jenny. Thanks for calling. Hi. Hi. I'm, I'm very concerned about the shooting yeah. that happened. And what God dealt with me is about the Christians knowing the Holy Bible excellently. And, you know, we, the Bible, Jesus said in Mark 16, you know, 15 to 18, first sign is in my name, they should cast out devils. And that, what happened was very evil. And mm-hmm. the influence of that was because of the servants of Satan who serves the devil. And when you know the Bible and we do everything exactly the way Jesus said to do, first sign, in my name, they should cast out devils. Regardless, we should have done that as a church. Some mm. churches, they are afraid to cast out demons. If you cast out demons, you understand how to deal with his servants do you, who are do the you feel, Hold on a second, Jenny. Do you feel like these acts are done only by people who might be demon-possessed, or do you feel like uh, people are just evil in their hearts sometimes? The people that do a lot of these catastrophes are servants of Satan, not just evil people, but they are Satanists, Illuminatis, and they work, they have witchcraft groups, they meet and work together, and they plan things like that. All right, Jenny, thank thank you for your call. You know, I don't know that we have seen that. It is an interesting, there are some pieces that are coming together about what usually is the background of the people who are doing this. And, you know, servants of Satan, I'd be careful about that kind of thing in, in anticipating things because you, I, for sure Satan's involved, for sure that the devil is is leading us into temptation and dividing us and putting these terrible evil philosophies in our heads, right? Uh, so whatever it is that is causing us to especially when we find somebody who is a radical from some radical point of view, um, the guy who did this act in uh, Buffalo and the replacement ideology and some of the things that in his writings he said he was into. He was in all kinds of things that are uh, not true and just very disturbing. For sure, the devil's part of that. But I think we also need to not let ourselves off the hook just to say that the devil made him do it. Uh, I think we need to realize this is a spiritual problem, that the devil is real, and that our nation has a spiritual problem for sure. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the devil's not a part of it or that you know the devil isn't part of evil. But I, I also think that we sometimes have people who aren't just mentally ill. They are, but they are people who have deliberately gone down an evil path and chosen to do something very evil, that they ought to have known better. In all of these cases, we're seeing some common denominators. In in the mass shooting incidents, okay, like the school and like the supermarket, um, 
Typically, these are white boys. All right. And you see an acting out and you see a pattern. And there's there's a pattern in a lot of the violence, not just uh, these these boys who are doing this, but you see the same thing with gang violence. You see the same thing with even organized crime. You see it in in basically different ways that people start to express their their violence. The studies are showing that in all of these cases or most of these cases, there are severe family problems, and it begins usually with dad, either the father's not present where the father is abusive. Um, And we need to start asking that question. We need to ask why in the same household the girls aren't acting out in this way. Girls act out differently when they're in these kind of abusive relationships, suicide, or they cut themselves, some other things. And the boys do that sometimes. But there's a difference in the way boys and girls act out. And we see this in when it is pretty severe. And what we're finding is that Gun laws aside, most of the time is true. Most of the time, the gun laws that are being talked about or the gun laws that are in place, they would not have prevented the crime. Today's not really the day to talk about that because everybody's emotional about it. We have to get there because if we're going to pass some laws, it needs to be something that's not just symbolic. It's got to be something that really uh, prevents these crimes. But something we should be thinking about in the areas where we can is – how are we doing? And guys, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to myself here. How are we doing as fathers? And you might be in a situation where you're divorced or you, you haven't been taking care of your kids. You know what? Today's the day in your lament as you think about this to change, to spend more time with your kids. Because I'm telling you, the research is showing that there is a problem with our younger boys, particularly when they don't have dads who are around or dads who um, pay attention to them or good who aren't abusive. It's a big deal, and it's a, it's a common thread through all this. And that, my friends, I think is where the devil is really attacking in the biggest way. Because when you break up the family the way it's designed, when you take dad out, or in other cases you take mom out, you, you know, in this case I think his, his mom was a drug addict. Um, he was living with grandma and grandpa. They probably had other problems. Grandpa was, I guess, a felon. There's all kinds of stories. We're not really sure if they're confirmed yet. Um, but that was relevant because he shouldn't have had those guns, shouldn't have been allowed to have those guns at that address. Lots of different things there. But what you're finding is the same common denominator, families that are already torn apart and somebody from loneliness, from a place where they found family in conspiracy theories or family in gangs or family in uh, other uh, groups of people who do crime together. There's a common thread there. We got to take a break. I'll get to your calls as soon as I get back. 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation here on Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. 888-528-2557. We'll be right back for your calls. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. We are reflecting on the day after the events in Uvalde, Texas, and the shooting at the school where uh, 21 people were killed, 19 little kids, and lament 
that's where I think our time is for today. If you've got questions, things you want to comment on, let's do that together. That's part of lament. We may not have the answers to all of the questions, but there are things going through our, our head today, and it's okay. It's a great spiritual discipline, actually, to take time and get those things out. 888-528-2557. David in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Hi, David. Hi, Mr. Farrell. How are you? Thank you for taking the call. Yeah. Well, I just want to give my opinion. You know, it's not, I don't think it's the guns or it's our laws that are too soft on criminals. Then hmm. I have more severe punishment for criminals, especially for, you know, any, any kind of criminal. You know, uh, they say that criminals have rights. Why would they have rights when I think that they lose their rights as soon as they commit a crime? And that's, I think that's where the problem is, is that there are our um, our punishment for criminals is not is not that hard. They, to them, going to jail is like going to a hotel. They go in and they go out. So I think that's where the problem is. That the, uh, the punishments are not that severe. Mm. If you give severe punishment to all the criminals, no matter what kind of the ones that you know they robbed all these jewelry, people that attacked all these uh, people in Beverly Hills just to get their watches, or and, you know that makes me you know. Uh, and, and, and all these governors, starting from the president, the vice president, our governors, our, our mayors, they just give all these speeches that doesn't make yeah. no sense. And it's we have, happening and happening and happening. Yeah, there's a lot of problems. Let me ask you this, though. In a lot of those issues that we have, and they're serious issues about uh, crime, obviously, on the rise and um, the different issues that are, I think, going to be a part of our election cycle. And you, you talk about the jewelry store break-ins and things. When it comes to these shootings, though, I'm wondering if these guys care what the laws are at all or if they care about whether they go to jail or not. I think some intest, you know, intend on taking their own life or assume they're going to die. It seems like they don't have an escape plan. Do you think it matters to them, whatever the, the leniency is in the law, regardless of how strong it is? Do you think it matters to these mass shooters? Oh, but let's see. Okay, let's see that uh, that guy, he died. But let's see, like that other guy that killed other kids, uh, a kindergarten school uh, uh, some years back. I forgot his name. Yeah, we don't need to mention it. But he's still living, like, you know, like, like he's getting food. He has a, a bit work to eat. You know, give him a hard time. You know, give him, you know, and I hate to say, you know, but I think these guys are not human. They ought to take them to the desert and dig holes. Where, you know, severe punishment where they, where they make them a, a living hell. And that's mm-hmm. what we can we have all these criminals because they're not afraid to go to jail. They don't, they don't, they're not afraid to commit a crime. So all these people that commit a crime and they go to jail, uh, just you know, I live in hell when they go to jail. All right. I, all right, Steve, uh, David, thank you for your uh, your input. I got several calls here. The number is 888-528-2557. I just want to hear your thoughts today and uh, maybe what you're dealing with, with uh, response a day after this shooting in Texas. Uh, Robert in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Hi, Robert. Hello. Hello, good afternoon. Hi, Robert. Go ahead. Yeah, the Bible says men's heart will fail him because of fear. Men's heart will fail him because of fear. The Bible says also the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Mm. We can know it. Only God knows the heart. And we 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 the church need to go back to prayer, go back to a time of prayer, prayer and seeking God to change the nation. Yeah. We need to go back to go back to God in, in prayer, sincere prayer to prayer 
and repent of our sins to, to the Lord. And I have to change it. We definitely need to be a people of prayer. Thank you, Robert, for that. And, uh, you know, our heart is deceitful. That's We have to ask God to give us a clean heart, right? That's the prayer, is that, you know, in a lot of this, part of lament is asking God to examine us. We want to ultimately measure our intentions. If we're going to fix something, if when we get past these few days of grieving, right, when the funerals are over, when we go back to talking about other things, we still have work to do, but we're never going to get it done if we do not come together and discover what is true and move beyond partisanship. We can disagree, but ultimately come to a place where if there's something that can be done politically that helps us do it, if there are things that we need to do as individuals in our lives or as a group of people in our towns or churches, let's do it. We got to have a clean heart, though. We got to uh, be in that place and realize our heart is, is uh, deceitful, and we've got to pray and ask God to make things clear. You know, people get upset today about uh, thoughts and prayers, and I'm I know that lots of people sort of toss that out there as a way to say, "Okay, I'm I've said my thing," but we shouldn't toss out the idea of prayer in all of this. We need to be praying today for those families who are going through an unspeakable grief. We've got to pray for them, even right here from, you know, a thousand miles, 1,500 miles away. We've got to say those prayers for those people. They need them. And I know that that they're going to feel them. And if you want to pray for our leaders, now's the time. You need to be praying all the time, but you got to pray that they find wisdom, that they find common ground, that they determine what actually might help. 888-528-2557 is the number. Veronica from Oceanside, welcome to Southern California Live. Um, I just was really sad with what happened, and um, I wanted to say that maybe this, what this, the person that did it, maybe we could, like, find out about that earlier through the school, through the, through the people around him. Maybe he feel alone because he has a broken family, mm-hmm. but we have, like, I, I was hearing one of the, of the um, classmates, and they say that he was by himself always. He didn't want to talk to anybody. And he was, like, close and there. So I think, like, we see people like that try to go to them through that and try to talk to them about it because I I feel like if they, they're already have a lot of anger, and if we shut them down and we don't want to talk to them, I feel like the anger grow more. Mm. And I feel like we need to have more empathy and try to help. Uh, I don't know about my, my my thinking because yeah. they, sometimes we start from the middle school you see to see how it was growing, and they start getting like in in a in a way that we we don't understand. But if we try try to talk, to them, I don't know. That's how my thinking. I'm like explain myself. <laughs> yeah, Veronica, that's a great. Great comment, and uh, it's a big a big part of this is are there ways to identify people who might do this and help? And I think that's a big part of the solution. Loneliness is a big piece of it. Who are the people who are lonely? What are the, you know, in fact, some of the legislation that both sides may consider, all right, is it's called red flags or yellow flags. Is there a way that a person, like let's say you know somebody, let's say you are this this person, in fact, was tagging somebody on Instagram who he doesn't even know, I guess a group of people, 
um, with creepy messages and links to photos of his guns and photos of different things and leaving little remarks. Is there a way to tip people off? We'll maybe talk about that when we get back here uh, in just a minute. Um, Dominic from Long Beach, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, yeah. A couple things uh, kind of came to mind here, especially with the last call, but I'll start with the first thing I was thinking, and I'll, I'll try to keep it short and sweet here. Uh, the big issue we're having is that our current culture, our current society, does not value life. You had everybody who's screaming about uh, taking people's guns away, or the same people out in the street screaming that, uh, you know, they were they were terrified of uh, abortion getting regulated a little heavily. We don't value life. We don't value the things that are important that that lead to a successful healthy society and a successful healthy people life is not valued you ha- i'm 40 years old i've seen it in my generation but you've got a kid who's 18 years old all he's ever grown up with is the overwhelming narrative that abortion is a-okay and life isn't that valuable if it's not wanted and i'm sure he probably felt quite a few times in his life that that he wasn't wanted and it, it probably led him down a very, very dark path. Obviously, it yep. did. We don't value commitment. We don't value marriage. We don't value responsibility. And we don't value life. And we... these young kids that are growing up have, have never seen the flip side to that. Like I said, I'm 40. I have. Thank, yeah. thank God. Praise to God on that. But yeah. these young kids have not seen that. And no, you, I... you compile that on top of mental issues. And it's a recipe for catastrophe, like we saw yesterday. Yeah, Dominic, uh, 10 seconds if you had another thought. I got a, I got a hard break coming up in just a few seconds. And I'd be real careful with the red flag laws. That kind of leads down a, a slippery slope there. Uh, there definitely are uh, measures in play for, for suicide or being uh, incarcerated or being institutionalized. Uh, we got to be real careful who we're letting stay who should and should not have weapons. Man is allowed to defend himself and Mm -hmm. defend the unborn is the first thing I would say. Let's agree on that first. We'll figure everything out along the way from there. I got to take a break. Thank you, Dominic, for your call. Hey, there's other calls on the line. If you want to hold on through the break, uh, we will get to them. Today, we want to lament, express what is on our heart. And, uh, you know, it's okay to ask questions or throw things out that you may not know the answer to. We'll get to more of that and, uh, and reset it here as soon as we get back. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 